Welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. But today, I got a word, man. I'm so excited to preach it because God preached it to me. And um, I was just blown, uh, blown away by what, by what my studies found. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, Matthew 11, that's where we're at. Matthew 11, 2 through 6. And are you excited this morning to get the word? This is your fill. I took Danny, we, we took Danny out for, uh, for some steaks yesterday. And I was so excited because I love a good steak, man. I love a good steak. And so I was, I, I was ready to go. I mean, I, I texted him in the morning. I was like, hey, man, you, you want some steaks? I gave him some options. And he said, steak sounds good. And I was like, yes, uh, because it was his birthday, right? Um, but, man, I, we, we, we got there, and I was excited all day. And so that's how we should feel when we're in the presence of God, ready to get what God has in store for us because he delivers. He's got, I mean, he's got like five-star five reviews on Yelp. Amen? Amen. All right, so here it is, Matthew eleven two through 6. It says, now when Jesus heard in prison about the deeds of, of the Christ... He sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them and blessed are the one who is not offended by me. Amen. That's it. I've entitled today's message failed expectations. We've all had failed expectations. At one point in our lives, right? Whether, whether it be a new job that you start, it just it didn't turn out to be what you thought it was going to be, right? Um, or, or maybe a relationship. You thought it was going to last a little bit longer than it did, and it was kind of a, of an upset. Or even just a, a movie, right? We, we always we, we see these previews, these trailers for movies. They spend millions of dollars. We go out. We're so excited to see it, and it disappoints us, right? Failed expectations. What really gets me upset is when I'm... When I'm expecting my food to be really good, and then it's not. Amen? Am I the only? Because, like, you, you, again, you get these, these really good reviews. You hear good things about a particular restaurant, and you go, and then it's nothing like what you thought it was going to be. And you paid all this money for something that you, you didn't really like. That's, that's sad for me. It really gets me upset. Back in my, uh, I guess we can say my heathen days, uh, I, used to, <laughs> I used to watch uh, the show South Park. Anybody watch South Park? Probably not. Okay. Y'all better than y'all's pastor was. Uh, But I'm going to throw Joel under the bus because he actually got me into the show, South Park. (laughs) We would watch it together. Uh, But there was this one episode where uh, South Park, they were, I don't want to say promoting because South Park never really promotes anything. They just make fun of everything. Um, But this this restaurant called Casa Bonita, and it's it's in Denver, Colorado. And um, they made an entire episode about this place, and and the the, the main character of, of South Park, Carmen, uh, he was all he was super excited, right, to go to Casa Bonita, and it, it was it was like he, they made it a, a really big hype. And so one year, Joel and I, with a couple of friends, we were out in Colorado. We were just vacationing. It was it was uh, in December, and we made this a part of our itinerary to go to Casa Bonita because we heard good things from Eric Cartman. Um, on, on South Park, right? And this, this it, it wasn't very close by to us, um, Casa Bonita. I mean, we, we were staying, we were staying um, probably like an hour, an hour and a half up in the mountains um, during, during, you know, winter. So there was a lot of snow. We weren't very experienced drivers in the snow, but we were going to go there. 
we're going to make the drive to Casa Bonita. And basically, it's just a Tex-Mex restaurant um, where they have, like, this really big pool surrounding the whole restaurant. It's got two stories. It's a massive restaurant. And basically, while you're eating, they have divers diving into the pool. It's really, really random, right? I, I, don't, I don't get it now that I'm thinking about it. But, but that was it. And uh, so we, we, we go there. We make the drive, even though it wasn't very safe. And, man, it was the saddest thing ever when you get in there. Like, the best way I could describe it is, like, going to Chuck E. Cheese, like, on a, like on a Thursday afternoon, like at 2, right? There's, like, there's nobody in there. It's, it's so sad. You just hear music, but no one's really, no one's really excited to be there. And, and um, we ate, and, I mean, it was, like, no better than, like, Casa Ole, right? We went to Colorado for Tex-Mex. You, you don't do that. Um, but it was, it was, it was very, and, and you go to a place like that, you expect to get a, at least a good experience, but the experience wasn't that great either. So we were just very, very disappointed um, by, because it didn't live up to the hype. It didn't meet our expectations. And there's a lot of things like that, little things in life that disappoint us when, when they don't meet our expectations. And then you have the bigger things, right? The things that when it fails to meet your expectations, it can really hurt you. It can really bring you down. When, when a husband fails to meet the expectations of his wife, the wife fails to meet the expectations of her husband, that could lead down to a very dangerous uh, path, amen? Uh, when that career, you thought, man, you, you thought you were going to get into this career and you were going to make all this money, but you don't even really like it that much. And, and by now, you've already spent the money to get the degree and you've invested so much time and, and it's, just, it's just not living up to what you expected. Things like that can be very painful, Maybe you make a really big sacrificing, believing that it's going to lead to something better, and it does nothing. Failed expectations have the power to leave people depressed, divorced, angry, or defeated. And that's where we find John the Baptist here in this moment of his life. Failed expectations. And, you know, to really understand uh, what's probably going through John's mind, we have to kind of understand who he is as as a person, I like, when I think of John the Baptist, I think of like an adventurer, an explorer. He loved the outdoors probably a little bit too much, right? His diet consisted of locusts and wild honey. Can't imagine eating locusts as your, your main, you know, main course. I guess there's a lot of um, protein, right? Have, have anybody had ants before? I have. Anyways. Okay. But he ate locusts. That was, that was John. He, li- he also lived uh, in the mountainous region of, of Judea. He wore clothes made of camel's hair, right? Very, very odd man. And you would probably look at him and, and think that he was, he was a homeless man. He, he, he wasn't very, he didn't have money. Um, but that was his life, very, very simplistic. And he had one sole mission, which he dedicated his entire life to, to declare the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as his Messiah. That was it. That was his sole purpose, and that's what he did. He would go out into the cities, into the towns, and he would proclaim the name of, of Jesus, this one who is, who is to come, this one who the prophet Malachi, 400 years before, prophesied that was coming. He's finally here. John set the stage up for Jesus. And if you read through the scriptures and, and you learn about him, you, you quickly understand that he didn't really care much about appearances. He didn't care what you thought about him. Um, you know, he, he didn't care who he offended. He was going to call sin, sin, even if it got him into trouble. And so what got him thrown into prison was when he called out Herod for his adultery, Herod threw him in prison where he remained for about a year before he sent out these disciples to question Jesus. So I want you to put yourself in his shoes. 
Would you not doubt everything after being so faithful, after being so committed to the calling that God had set for you? Now it seems like he was abandoned. I could just imagine John in that prison cell saying, Jesus, I gave you my life, man. I did, I did, I lived up to, to what you called me to. I spoke to the, to the multitudes to hype you up, to prepare the way for you. And now I'm sitting in a prison cell and I, you're doing, I don't even know what. Are you even who you say that you are or shall we look for another? Because this is not what I expected. Have you ever been in that situation before, church? Have you ever been in, in, in John's shoes? I, I definitely have. I definitely, I've been in situations where I'm looking around and I'm telling God, God, man, I, I got to be honest with you, man. I, I wasn't expecting this. In fact, I told God the other day, you know, concerning the Go movement. I'm like, God, I thought you were going to make it easy for us. I, I mean, you, you gave us this vision and I, I was ready to go and I was excited and I thought you were going to line them up. I thought they were going to be giving donations by the thousands. Now we're just trying to scrape a few dollars here and there. What happened? This is not what I was expecting. Maybe God gave you a word one time. Man, it feels so good when we get a word from God, especially at church, because it feels like we're all this, we're all partaking um, from, from, the, from the mouth of God, right? And, and, and he's, given, he's given a word to, to sister so-and-so and to brother so-and-so, and it's like this whole event, an emotional event. Every time I'm giving a word, I'm right here behind the keyboard, and my mom's over there, she's crying, right? My dad's over there, low-key crying, he didn't think anybody notices, but, but he's crying, my, my wife's over there like, yes, I receive it. Yes, yes, let it, let it happen, right? <laughs> Low-key crying. It's this giant ordeal. ordeal. And, and everyone is believing with you, and they're happy for you, and they're clapping for you. And then months go by, and years go by, and there is no fruit to be seen from that word. And we're telling God, God, I, I didn't expect for it to be this long. You, you said I was going to get out of debt. When do you think that's going to happen? And we get that word. Maybe you got that word of financial breakthrough that night. It was coming for you and your family. That night you went out to celebrate. <laughs> you went. You spent 100, 200 bucks. You're like, babe, charge a credit card, babe. God's, God's about to do something, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe you got a word that you were going to, I don't know, have a, have a child. Maybe you got a word that, that your husband or your wife was, was around the corner. And you're like, God, that's a long corner. Where are they at? Man. We get these words, and it's like life-changing. We're so excited, and we wait for them, like, like by the door, like we, like we wait for the delivery man. And days go by, months go by, and it's like there's nothing. Our expectations aren't met. And I, and I also see this a lot when people come to Christ because I don't know if people just think when they come to Christ, everything's going to be peachy, everything's going to be great, but it's not. And so... There's people, when they come to Christ, they say, God, I, I, I thought when I, expect, uh, when I accepted you, I was going to be released from, from this addiction that I struggled with for so many years, but, but I'm, I, I'm with you now, and, and that addiction is still calling my name. There's still something wrong in my brain chemically that I can't get out of that mess that you called me from. I thought it was going to be different. I thought it was going to be better. I thought I was going to be victorious in every area of my life. What happened? Failed expectations. And our failed expectations, church man, they, they can often lead to a very dangerous place. A place that, that, that John was led to for a moment. That's a place of doubt. Doubt. And so when, when that restaurant fails to meet your expectations, you eventually begin to doubt 
the quality of the food, right? And the same thing happens on a, on a deeper le- level. Some people think, man, well, if I just get married, I, I probably won't be, you know, I won't deal with sexual immorality anymore. But then you get married, and you're still being tempted. And it's like, well, maybe marriage wasn't the answer. I thought, God, I thought that things would, would get better under, under so-and-so's leadership. I voted for him. I, you know, I, I vouched for him. I believed in him. But now we're still in the same mess, or, or, or worse, maybe, maybe he shouldn't be in leadership. And when our expectations aren't met, we begin to doubt the source of our expectations. For John, that was Jesus. He was, he was the one that, that John was putting his life on the line for. All right? He was the one who, who John said, there is one coming uh, whose sandals I'm not worthy to wear. John declared the coming of the one who would bring victory to Israel, but yet he's sitting in a prison cell defeated. And so he has his doubts. And I, I started looking a little bit more about doubt um, in the scriptures. And I, and I came to a, an interesting find. Um, when the scriptures talk about doubt, it's only ever really talking about believers. Doubt from the believers, not the unbelievers. And when I realized that, that was pretty comforting to me. Because as believers, we're so hard on ourselves sometimes when we doubt. When we doubt God's provisions, when, when we doubt his presence, when we doubt what, whether he's actually working in our lives. And it's like we put ourselves in the same boxes as unbelievers. And we're like, God, I'm, I'm so sorry. And, and we feel so horrible because we're doubting. But the Bible, when it speaks about doubt, it's not talking about unbelievers, but believers. Peter doubted that he was going to be able to walk on, on the water that Jesus was calling him to walk on. Thomas doubted that, that Jesus really resurrected. He said, unless I put my fingers in his hands, then I will not believe him. And to the 12 apostles, Jesus was always saying the phrases, oh, you of little faith, and how long will you doubt? Doubt is for, not for the unbelievers. Rejection is for the unbelievers. But doubt even the mightiest men and women of God, church, can doubt. That's comforting. But it doesn't mean that it's something that cannot be overcome. It doesn't mean that it's not something that has to be overcome. We have to overcome it because doubt can lead to rejection. And maybe that's, in, that's where you are right now, church. Maybe you're in a place of, of doubt and you're, you're doubting your calling. And, and, and you were so excited when you began the journey, right? You, maybe you stepped out in faith. You quit your job. I remember my mom, man, when she quit her job, she, she quit so that she could, you know, focus a little bit more on the ministry, um, a little bit more on, on the church, helping my, helping my dad. And um, I remember asking her, is that, a, is that the best decision? Like, you're making, she was making really good money, so she was walking away from, from a really good income. And she said, yes, we believe that, you know, God is going to provide. God is going to, he's going he's gonna to keep us afloat. And church, it got rough, man. You know the story. It got, it got rough for us. I mean, it, was, it like came at the worst time ever where we had a, a repossession on one of our cars. We had two foreclosures. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, God, was this really you? Was this really your doing? Or maybe, maybe it was our decision. Maybe it was our doing. That's doubt. Maybe you're doubting your marriage. Maybe you say, God, he never wants to come to church with me. I'm trying to drag him to church. He doesn't want to come. Or maybe you're saying, God, my wife never supports anything I want to do. I want to start this business. I want to quit my job. I want to start this ministry. I want to start this, and, and she's not supporting me. Maybe I married the wrong person. That's doubt. And the worst thing that you can doubt, church, 
is when you begin to doubt who God says he is in his word. That's the worst feeling ever, man. It's so ugly. I've been there where I'm like, God, you say you're a good God, but the world is corrupt. You say you're an all-powerful God, yet evil prevails. You say that you love me, yet I'm suffering. Are you even who you say that you are? That's doubt. And that's what John the Baptist was dealing with right now. This mighty warrior of God who was called to prepare for the way for Jesus is now doubting the one that he was proclaiming as a Messiah. And he's doubting for, for several reasons. There's, there's always many reasons that we doubt. For John, uh, number one, he was in prison, right? So he feels abandoned. He feels defeated. And, and Jesus, you know, the one who was supposed to save Israel from, from Roman oppression, he's not even concerned with the Roman government. So that kind of throws him off. And that's the second reason that he's, that he's doubting. Jesus doesn't fit the bill of, of who they thought the Messiah was going to be. All of, all of Israel thought that, that uh, the, the Messiah was going to save uh, Israel from this political oppression. That was a worldly influence. Church, let me tell you, man, when, the, when you let the world govern your expectations, when, when you let the world uh, um, give you this picture of how things are, are, are supposed to look, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when they don't turn out that way. Because God might give you a word that you're going to be successful. That doesn't mean that you're going to be a millionaire. Right? Jesus says, I'm going to set you free, but you're, you're not going to be free from debt. Maybe God says, I want to use you, but that doesn't mean that he wants to give you a platform. See, we get these revelations from God, and then what we do is we filter them with our cultural lenses that interpret God's promises to something that we didn't even expect. That's what happens. I remember going to... The, the Go movement went to India, and um, their food is very different. And so when they asked us if we wanted dessert, we're like, yeah, of course. We're expecting something sweet, something, you know, with, with, with a lot of carbs and, and filling and, and good. It was delicious. And then we took a bite, and it was spicy. What kind of dessert is spicy, right? I don't know how you can call that dessert, but in Indian culture, you can. See, we're too influenced, church, by our own culture and not enough by the culture of the, of the kingdom of God. And that's, that's why our expectations aren't always met to what God delivers to us because we're filtering them with what the world says it should look like. God, you said I was going to be successful. Well, I only have 20 bucks in my account. What's going on? You said you were going to use me. How come I'm always behind the scenes? Now, real quick. I want to get, I want to dive into the response that Jesus gives. This is where it gets good, man. Anytime Jesus speaks, you know it's going to be good. And Jesus, he, he's, when he speaks, there's always like a deeper meaning there. You got to, you got to look into it. God, he, he was, he was just so deep, man. I would have loved to have just been there face to face one day, right? But look at what he says to John. After, after John doubts, after he's asking, hey, are you even the one that was promised to us, Jesus tells John, he says, go and tell John, he's speaking to the disciples of John, he says, go and tell John what you see and what you hear. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the, ra- and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And this is a key verse right here. Listen to this, okay, remember this. Matthew 11, verse six, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. That man, that is good. Blessed is the one who's not offended 
by who I am. See, in verse 5, Jesus first validates some, not all, but some of John's expectations. He says, John, look, man, um, the, the blind men are seeing, the deaf are hearing, miracles are being done, the poor have good news preached to them. I, I, I'm doing miracles here. See, sometimes God, he, he's going to remind you of, of what he's done in your life so that you know that if he's done it before, he can do it again. Right? And so if you're doubting God's provision, he might say, well, have I not provided for you before? Have I not done it for you before? Have I not come through for you before? If I've done it before, I can do it again, just in case you forgot. I'm still God. That thing a couple years ago that you praised me for, that you got down on your knees saying thank you for, I'm still the same God worthy of that same praise that you gave me. So he'll, he'll validate you sometimes. He'll remind you of what he brought you out of. He'll do it. But the part I love, man, the part I love is this, is verse 6. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. You got you to really dig, uh, dig deep to find out what he's really meaning here. Because, again, to many people in, in Jesus' day, the Israelites, the Pharisees, the Jews, Jesus failed to meet their expectations. Right? So when Jesus was born, everyone was thrilled. The king is here. He arrived. You get the, the kings going and, and delivering gifts, and, and everyone is so happy because finally the Messiah is here. And then he grows up to be a carpenter. He grows up saying really weird things. He, he grows up not even having any concern with, with the Roman government. And that's what they expected. And so what Jesus ends up becoming is an offense. He becomes a heretic. He becomes a lunatic. He becomes a liar. This, this man is crazy. That's why they crucified him. And so in other words, in the context in which Jesus is speaking to John, Jesus essentially says, blessed are those who accept me, even though I am not what they expected. Blessed are those who receive the gift, even though it's slightly different than what they thought they were getting. So, John, I know that you're going through some hell right now, man. I, I know that you might have expected me to, to bail you out of, of prison and, and, and set the captives uh, of, uh, of Israel free from political oppression. I know that you expected the, li- the lion, but you got the lamb. But blessed are those who accept me because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Matthew 5, Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Listen to this. He says, blessed are the meek, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You wouldn't think that the meek would inherit anything. The meek are, are humble. They're weak. You would expect the conquering, victorious warriors, the one who come in and they take, right? They, they're not afraid to step on people's toes. You would expect them to inherit the earth. But Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Why? Because before you get the lion, you got to get the lamb even though you didn't accept it. So Jesus says, let the world be offended by me. Let them, not be, let them not believe in me, but blessed are those who do and are not offended. I love that. I love what he told John. And I'm about to close, and I want to I give you this line, man. And when God gave it to me, I, I was in my office, and I wrote it down, and then I reread it, and I was like, whew. Like, God gave me some chills. I almost, I almost spoke in tongues, like, right there. Praise God. It was so amazing. Um, and I'm probably hyping it up too much. But 
<laughs> it's not gonna, it's gonna fail your expectations. But look, look, I want you to remember this, church. And every situation, I mean, this applies to anything because it's so, it's so true. God will first fail your expectations so that then he can surpass them. God will first fail your expectations miserably so that you get to a point of doubt and you get to a point where you're nearly going to walk away and you get to a point where you're like, God, I don't, I don't think this is you. But then if you prevail, if you go through the fire, if you go through the struggle, after those expectations are failed, he's going to surpass them. He's going to make them better than you ever thought they could possibly be. So God will break you first so that then he can rebuild you. I mean, he did it with his own son, man. Jesus died. Jesus died. That's not what you expect from the son of God to die on a cross. But he died. Why? So that he could live forever. And not just that, but so that he could restore life in you. No one expected that. Jesus died. Maybe the disciples had their expectations. They were, they were failed. This is not what I expected. And then three days later, he resurrects. And he provides a resurrecting life in them. That's, he surpasses their expectations, church. So, church, when God has put you in a situation that you thought was going to look a little bit better, just wait for it. Don't be offended by it. Don't look around and saying, God, I, I don't think this is you. I'm going to walk away. Stick it out and then watch the glory of God fall over your life. It's going to happen, church. I'm going to ask that you stand this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. And I want to I do, do a call to the, to the altar this morning. I want us just to worship God. I just want us to worship God for a moment. And I want you to lay everything out that you have. Maybe you're in a situation that God is just, he, he's, he's not coming through. You're not, you're not, you didn't expect what you're going through. You expected a victory. You thought things were going to be a little bit better. Maybe you started a business and you were so excited because you quit your job. But the money ain't coming in. This is not what I expected, God. Maybe God called you to a ministry that you just started. And you think that God is going to take you places. Just wait for it. He's going to fail your expectations. That's what God does, man. He turns on the heat. He turns on the heat to see if we can, if we can uh, last, if we could stick it out. But if you wait for it, God will, man, he will surpass your expectations. Yes, my God. I'm going to ask that we come forward this morning. And if you're in need of prayer, I want you to just stand right here. And I want to pray for you. But can we just have a moment, church, at the altars, just, just pouring everything out, just talking to God, have a, just have a, a deep conversation, a genuine conversation with God. Yes, God. We might be in moments of doubt, Lord. We might be in something right now that we didn't expect, Father. I pray that you give us strength, Holy Spirit. Give us strength, my God. Give us perseverance, my God. Yes, Jesus. Come on, church. Begin to cry out to God. I'm going to ask the worship team to do a song. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. 
join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeriglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.